It's midnight, and we're always open at midnight. This is the Midnight Shop of Shadows podcast, where we discuss and explore the dark realm of horror, the gothic, and the macabre in all its manifestations. I am your Midnight Shopkeeper, Darren Person. So sit back and enjoy as we delve into the dungeon of our fears. Movies are a very ubiquitous art form. Once the storytelling potential of motion pictures was discovered, cinema immediately began to exploit stories fashioned to frighten us. In the filmmaker's quest at creating total cinema, it began to amalgamate other art forms to achieve the ability to totally immerse us into the cinematic experience, one of these being the art of music. Horror cinema has truly capitalized on this artistic joining to the extent that horror movies and horror music are inseparable. In tonight's discussion, music and the savage beast, my guests and I will talk about the impact of horror movie music and share our personal top five favorite horror movie music themes and why. My first guest is the first lady of my household and my betrothed for these last 19 years, Tracy Person. Tracy is a scholar and educator with a focus in pedagogy, psychology, and forensics. She is a certified and published herbalist appearing in the Journal of American Herbalist Guild and a practicing doula. Many of her other talents include dancing and theater. She's worked in television as a costume intern on The Cosby Show and as production intern for Dance in America and Auction by Design for PBS. She's the proprietor of Southern Alchemy Wellness, LLC, a holistic wellness community space and retail store in Temple Terrace, Florida, devoted to the support of healthy living in the physical and virtual community. But outside of these countless and other amazing credentials, her biggest achievement is putting up with me on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy is an avid horror fan and my personal partner in crime when it comes to horror entertainment. Thank you for joining us, Tracy. Hello, hello, it's good to be here. Um, I love horror. I have since I was a little girl watching Creature Features and Thriller with the extra finger on the hand. Um, brother and I used to watch it and he'd be too scared to go to his room and he'd sleep on my floor. <laughs> and um, Darren has asked for me to share three things about myself. So um, I am a folk herbalist, as he said, but I'm also a spiritualist. I'm a hoodoo, uh, practicing hoodoo. Um, you can always ask questions later if you don't know what that is, but um, it goes hand in hand with my herbalism and it is a passed down tradition. Um, I have the distinction of having met Vincent Price. He kissed my hand. Well, I'm jealous. <laughs> yes, yes. And I never watched it again. <laughs> <laughs> so those are my three things. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks a lot, Tracy. Thank you, sweetie. My next guest is horror author Nicholas Kaufman, joining us from Brooklyn, New York. His works have received nominations from The Thriller, The Dragon, the Shirley Jackson and the Bram Stoker Awards, a distinction shared with such notables as Brandon Sanderson, Neil Gaiman, Joe Hill, and his pop Stephen King. But before launching into being a professional writer in 2000, Nick co-owned and operated Telltale Books, one of the few bookstores at the time to have a dedicated horror section. Nick also has two books that have reached the Amazon and Barnes and Noble's best-selling list. 
tell us a little bit about yourself, Nick. Oh, thank you so much. Yay. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Um, yeah, uh, I, it's so funny when Tracy mentioned Schiller, like the uh, the the hand with the six fingered hand coming out of the ground. That's one of my earliest memories of, as a horror loving kid. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's it's such a wonderful memory. Uh, I've yeah, I've I've always been into horror uh, as well as science fiction and fantasy. Uh, they sort of merged in my childhood when I would watch those old stop motion Sinbad movies that Ray Harryhausen oh, did. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there was always such a sense of adventure to them, but also there were monsters, and I just loved monsters. Uh, and I guess I've been playing with monsters ever since. I'm you know I'm 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 into my fifties now, and I never stopped being a monster kid. Yep. Uh, here you, you see uh, the, my vampire in the back there, uh, Lon Chaney, uh, London After Midnight. Don't be jealous. Don't be hating. <laughs> and, and, and dig it. It's the silver screen. Edition, wow. You know, black yeah, and white. That's beautiful. Ah, I love it. Continue. Tell us a little bit more. You've got some achievements coming up. Yes, I have a novel coming out uh, March 12th. Um, or maybe, depending on when this runs, maybe it will have come out already. It's the third in a series of horror thrillers that uh, center around a medical examiner in a small fictional Hudson Valley city uh, who's usually up against sort of sort of extreme science stuff. One of the things that makes the, um, the series sort of stand out from the pack is that all the science that I use is accurate, is like real science. Oh, even, nice. even Even for the gross stuff, even for like the the sort of scary stuff. It's all real science. Nice, nice. And give us the title of your book. Oh, that one's called The Mind Worms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that title. I was like, ooh, that sounds really intriguing. Um, I, I know you didn't actually ask me for three things too, but I do have a third thing. And that's the crazy <laughs> story about how Darren and I met on the yeah. subway platform on the, the C, I think it was the A or the C. At, yeah, I think uh, it was the A train, yeah. The A train at Nostrand Avenue went in Brooklyn. I just I, I came through the turnstile. It was it was summer. I was wearing a black T-shirt with a green like Cthulhu shape on it, and he stopped me and he said, "Hey, is that Cthulhu?" And we just got to talking. Yeah, yeah. And the rest was history. The rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. yeah so it's in the right place at the right time with the right shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm a good one. Shows up. Yeah, it's always good when Cthulhu shows up. Let's say even our dog when she she answers the call of Cthulhu when she chews up everything in our. <laughs> Lanai. So, but uh thanks a lot thanks a lot nick uh, thank you for next, having me sure sure man uh next but certainly not least is the real queen of horror herself zena dixon yay <laughs> clap 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 bow 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 uh zena is a living encyclopedia of horror and a prolific content developer for her tiktok instagram youtube and facebook page titled real queen of horror she also has a Twitter or what they call X page now under lovely Xena. She's been featured on Dread Central, Horror Hound, and the L Ray Network. She's also head of Bloody Disgusting's TikTok and co-host of its podcast. Welcome, Xena, and tell us a few things about yourself. Oh man, that was it. Like I just like, thank you. I feel like you 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 got it all. But uh no, thank you. Well, thank you so much for for the invite. Yeah, I've been watching horror my whole whole life i absolutely love it but just before we started recording i'm obsessed with the 70s i wish i could have been in this like it's just it was. magical you know yeah, um I, I love made for tv movies i love demons and witches and you know sometimes mm -hmm. like you know that smexy yeah. kind of uh you know saxophone the 
music when they're in uh, and the old and the old bow and that, you know? it, was, yeah. it was a special yeah. time for filmmaking definitely yeah. big yeah. time yeah and, and I, I love the graininess the texture of the films back then too you know I, I love watching them on youtube and i don't care if the quality is you know pristine or anything because it kind of gave it that surrealistic type of ethereal feel just the texture of the movies back then. For sure, yeah. for sure. Like yeah. I, I recently checked out for the first time because my mom, she recommended, she always gives me lists. She's just the best. She's she's my horror lady. Uh, she This isn't a horror, but I watched for the first time, Cotton Comes to Harlem. And oh, it's just like- love it. Oh my, yeah. it was Great. incredible, you know? It, like what yeah. a wonderful, like the soundtrack. I mean, there was a lot of ladies getting slapped around. So trigger yeah. warning with that, like, it was yeah. very violent, but it was a uh, it was such a good time. So, again, I'm just a huge fan of the 70s. Yeah, it's funny you it's mentioned that movie. Me. Yeah, <laughs> the first time I saw Cotton Comes to Harlem, we had a grindhouse theater in Kansas City called the Cameo. And nice. <laughs> what was so cool about those grindhouse movies is that you can come in like halfway through the movie, <laughs> watch it until the end. Stay in your seats, and they will just start the movie all over again, and then mm -hmm. you leave where you walked in on. And I kind of felt, always felt kind of sorry for Calvin Lockhart at the end of that movie. He seemed so pitiful <laughs> when they were about to bust him and stuff by the police. But hey, that's a classic movie. Classic movie. Um, this first episode of the Midnight Shop of Shadows podcast, and like to thank our guests for being here. I hope and pray that we can meet again on other topics because I think this is such a great group and it's an honor to be able to sit with the people that are with us tonight. So let's jump on into this. Uh, the topic is Music and the Savage Beast, in which we talk about movie music and horror movies. The joining of the two, as they say, are now inseparable. There's lots of things where some of the horror movies would not even be as effective without the music that accompanies it. So we're going to kind of take a moment and we're going to spend the evening talking about this and uh, our passion for it and, and uh, start dropping a little knowledge about what we know about the music and horror movies so the first question i'm going to ask what makes the ideal horror movie theme music for you don't I everybody think, answer that one I, I think we didn't want to all answer it once yeah, yeah, I think we didn't. Yeah. Well, it's, okay i don't want to be like oh it depends but honestly it depends because i i feel like i have like different tastes depending on my mood Right. So, um, and, and this is, it could be pretty much anything because even when I, when I think about it using, this is, we'll get into it later. I'm going to just give like a one recommendation kind of, which I'm pretty sure you all already seen already. So Prince of mm -hmm. Darkness, right? Yeah. I remember when I first watched it, it flew over my head, didn't connect with it at all. You know, not even the soundtrack. Then I waited like a couple of years, rewatched it. And it's just like, oh my God, like, First off, visually, it's just an awesome movie. Mm. I love the cinematography. I love the storyline. It is the type of movie you do have to pay attention to, you know? Yeah. I was doing other things. And then the soundtrack, which, you know, usually when I watch a movie, that's one of the first things that I noticed. But when I first watched it, again, it flew over my head. So when I rewatched it, mm. it was just incredible. So that's what I mean. I think that it, it depends. And then obviously, you know, you go through different things and your tastes change and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, mm. I, I know that that's not really giving an answer because I'm still like, oh, it depends, you know, but that's that's where I'm at. 
No, it's a great answer. It's a great answer. And I, and I really like that because it was such uh, an undertone to the theme. It's one of those movies, and, and I agree with you. When I first saw it, I wasn't blown away by it. My friends I saw it with, they were like, you know, shocked. They were scared to even walk out of the movie theater. I was like, uh, I don't know, because I was so used to other John Carpenter stuff. But I love the soundtrack. And it was one of those few moments where as soon as I saw the movie, I went out and got the cassette of, of <laughs> the, the soundtrack, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Great answer. Great answer. I had a similar like experience with, uh, with Prince of Darkness uh, in that I didn't like it the first time I saw it either. And I realized part of the problem was that I had, for whatever reason, I, maybe I've caught it on TV or maybe I got a, uh, a the wrong VHS, but it was what's called the TV cut. Uh, Prince of mm. Darkness, and it's re-edited, and, and it's all sort of scenes mm. are out of order, and it doesn't quite make sense. It's still a very sort of like even in its in its final form and its real cut. It, there are parts of it where you're like, I, maybe it doesn't make sense. But this was uh, definitely what a bad experience, a bad way to watch it. Uh, yeah. But I, I I think um, having seen it again recently in its in its intended cut, I think it's really fantastic, and I think it's a great mm. example of music that heightens. Uh, and makes the experience of the film that much better. I've, yeah. I've I've seen a bunch of I've seen like old science fiction and horror movies that the music might as well have come from like a a free music library or something, and they they don't add much at all to the atmosphere <laughs> or the story. So I think Zena's right in in answering sometimes, or you know, it depends. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna also go with the it depends, but. I think for me, oh, I just want to cycle back and say, because Darren said I could curse. Um, I just found the ending of Prince of Darkness profoundly fucked up. It is. And, and it just really hurt my soul. Yeah. My spirit was disturbed. And it gets scarier every time I watch it. But my sense of outrage is behind the fact that she's trapped in hell and she didn't do anything mm -hmm. like this is this person is a good person who, mm -hmm. who really like there was not a sin that we knew of and she's mm -hmm. stuck there that like that really screwed me up but <laughs> I, like, well, we want to we want to think that because she's a good person that there's a there's an escape for her but I it's hope. such a yeah but no it's a very cynical movie it's like she you know she mm -hmm. she sacrifices herself to save everyone else mm -hmm. and now yeah. she's not only stuck she's in 1999 she comes back out and she's possessed by that yeah. dark force. oh yeah, yeah. oh horrible. absolutely yeah. horrible kind of reminds me of um Drag me to hell, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler, that, and, sorry. that and Krampus. Yeah, that mm -hmm. and Krampus. Krampus. Like they didn't deserve that. Yeah, yeah. That, that but I think at you the end of Krampus, whole... they're okay, right? Like at the yeah. end of Krampus, like, they're sort of restored. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. but they're not. They're stuck in the snow globe. It's, it's yeah. really awful. Yeah, it's like hoping the next time you watch it, they find a way out. Yeah, exactly. I think music for me that almost acts as its own living character mm. like the the fourth character is the music mm. i think that makes it for me in a movie like if if when like jaws you know the music is his own character and when it comes you understand that terror is is happening um music that creates a sense of foreboding yeah. um is music that i like and um going back to um zena and nicholas on the that it depends it can be any kind of music that does either of those two things. Yeah. Um, it could be really spare and still do that. It could be orchestral 
and it could still do mm-hmm. that. So it depends. Yeah. I think the music should create some type of mental landscape in your mind that either complements what you're seeing on the screen or creates a whole different image altogether. You know, um, music that I would hear in my nightmares and really, uh, really emphasizes a lot of the themes that are coming from the movie. And it has to be very iconic. It has to be something that uh, the moment you hear two or three bars of it, you recognize it, you know, right away and say, hey, you know, this and it it triggers, triggers an almost childhood sense of fear that Mm -hmm. if you're walking down a dark alley or walking in the woods, you do not want to hear this going through your head. You know, you don't want this playing in your ears. And um, I think those are the qualities I look for. And it, and it it doesn't have to be huge. Well, you know, this is going to lead into the next question and everything, but uh, there's, there's certain characteristics about it that uh, appeal to me. So we'll go to the next question because it's kind of related to it. What, what style of horror theme music um do you prefer um you know is it orchestral is it uh you know metal uh, ethereal gothic you know what what are the qualities what style of horror theme music do you prefer i'm still stuck in that place of it could be any kind of music mm-hmm. but we're children of the 70s except for xena um, She's an honorary child. Of the you're second. an honorary child. <laughs> I wasn't even leaving you out. Um, there, Jerry Goldsmith really started that whole kind of strange spare, like three instruments clattering discord um, mm. in the late '60s, early '70s. Um, he he does it with Planet of the Apes, and and it just um, mm. it it really kind of set up a lot of what happened after that. Um, And I think John Carpenter also. So I think um, music that makes me feel the loneliness of characters, the isolation of characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to uh, Jerry Goldsmith and Aliens, like he makes you feel like what it would maybe be like to be stuck in space Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. that monster. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's there's a very isolationist feeling, so I like that. I kind of like to feel that. And I know this almost sounds like the same question or whatever. Maybe I should rephrase it a different way. But if you you know kind of understand that there's almost like different genres of types of horror movie music that you know really works for me. A certain sound, a uh, way the arrangements are made. Uh, as opposed to others that I'm like, yeah, you know, they're obviously trying to sell, you know, records <laughs> for this movie and stuff like that. So I, I guess that's what I'm trying to describe as far as like the type of horror movie music that you like. I do like an orchestral score. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Pearl recently, but I was really struck by the soundtrack. I thought this, the score was incredible. And it reminded me of the old like universal horror movies um but at the same time like my heart belongs to those john carpenter-esque synth scores that yeah. we heard so much yeah. of in like the late 70s and through the 80s mm-hmm. and sometimes you know that it was just one one person with a synthesizer just hitting some keys and that was the score but like it works for me you know yeah, yeah. to the point yeah, where i will actually listen to while i'm writing there's a there are a bunch of bands that are basically sort of like 
inspired by that John Carpenter-esque synth stuff. Mm, uh, there's mm -hmm. a whole movement called like synth wave and dark synth and stuff like that. And that's yeah, what I'll listen yeah. to when I'm writing because it's so, it just really lights up my imagination. Mm -hmm. I, um, I don't normally like soundtracks that are just songs. Mm -hmm. But having said that, like I was just listening to the soundtrack to the Lost Boys the other day, so I can't yeah. I can't say that that's a, just a blanket statement. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Love love that that soundtrack. Love it. Um, I I really we I kind of mentioned it earlier. I really love like the saxophone. You know, I went through a phase where I was watching a lot of like '90s thriller movies, and there was always a mm -hmm. saxophone, you know, a song thrown in there, and I love it. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll wait to tell you which one's a little bit later, but you know, I love that. Yeah. And also, there is something about like the drums for me. Um, mm. it, it can go both ways, but it's like, oh man, I want to dance, or it's just like, okay, this is like giving me anxiety, you know, in the best mm. way. So, yeah, you know, yeah. there, there's a there's a couple of different ones in there, you know. Yeah. I think, uh, on Silvestri, I think, did the soundtrack to Predator 2. Mm -hmm. And it's all, it's practically all drums. And it's really, wow. it's it's very, very good. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I tend to lean towards the, the synth sound as well. But I also like things that are a little bit more visceral, like with the piano. I'm mm. a big, big fan of the piano sound, the, the tinkling of the keys and everything like that. And there's uh, one of the movies on my list that really, really capitalized on that sound. And, um, I love the oboe. Zena just mentioned about the saxophone. I really love the oboe. This is something really moving that that triggers that feeling inside me, just that lonely, desolate sound of an oboe, almost like the sound of something moaning that's added mm -hmm. to music and stuff. And that that really draws me as well. So my next question is, what type of style takes you away from the experience or takes you away from that? from the movies that you're watching and like, Oh, you know, I don't really feel that this matches. The one that comes to mind almost immediately for me is the Suspiria 2018 um, remake, which I thought the movie was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and very different from the original, of course, but a, a, its own very strong, effective vision, but it's mm -hmm. the soundtrack is almost entirely these songs uh, by the guy from Coldplay. And, and to me, it didn't, it didn't match up. And so it, it, it I, I felt like it didn't, I don't think it took away from the power of the film, but I do think right, it, right. it did not add anything to it. Well, was it just the type of music or was it a style? Uh... It was very like, I don't know, they, they sounded like uh, radio love songs to me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like they, they necessarily... <laughs> I don't want to diss it too much because, you know, yeah. he's got his fans and, and the movie's great. Right, uh, but right. to me personally, I just felt like it didn't really come together. Mm -hmm. I don't really have one because I, I feel like mm -hmm. it, uh, it depends. I feel like I keep saying that. Please don't don't kick me out for people <laughs> saying that. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes though, okay, when, even when I think about a movie that I don't care for, I mean, really mm -hmm. don't like, you know, I could usually find something. Um, mm -hmm. And then say for some reason I can't find anything. It's just... I don't know if the, for me, if the soundtrack kind of like broke that for me. So mm -hmm. as an example, I'm not the biggest fan. Like I don't mind it, but I'm not the biggest fan of the remake of Fright Night. I feel like mm -hmm. um, yeah. when it comes to the soundtrack, the songs didn't feel like, you know how with a movie in some ways they kind of connect. They seem like they will yeah. be on the same album, like the same playlist mm -hmm. type of 
thing, even right. though it moods. To me, it felt like it was a little bit random and that they didn't really fit together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then again, like I said, I know I'm just not the biggest fan of the movie, but I do know other people who's just, they think the movie is just wonderful. And they'll even talk about the soundtrack. Like as an example, mm -hmm. there are like different artists on there and I listen to some of those artists. I don't have a problem with them. Um, I'm mm -hmm. a fan of some of them, but I don't know. There was just something about it that was just kind of like, it's not for me, but it didn't make or break the movie. Yeah. The sound. Oh, I absolutely love the remake of Suspiria and did not like the original. Um, I'm not a Jalo movie fan. So uh, I like the colors, but uh, <laughs> so I, I felt yeah. like the 2018 remake actually was what I would have wanted to see um, because it was more coherent to me. But I'm with you, Zena. I can't really say that there is a type I don't like. Mm -hmm. um, I think something that would take me out would be what you said, Nicholas, about music that just does not match the movie. The biggest example I can think of that is not a horror movie. It's Lady Hawk. Uh, like, uh, uh, just the worst kind of like, yeah. disco synth pop, like in a fantasy movie. Like that was like, it was like the band Toto. I know, and it was terrible. <laughs> um, I think probably the era that embodies that the most for me, though, would be mid to late 80s low budget films mm. because there the, the music is just like where did that come from <laughs> yeah 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 mm -hmm. and why did you use it absolutely um, that that would probably be it for me <laughs> yeah what doesn't vibe well with me is that you have a great score for the movie at the beginning of the movie and when you get to the closing credits it's something completely different like it may be, you know, I love heavy metal and stuff like that. But if you have a, a very iconic and memorable opening theme to your movie, then I think you should also try to use that in your closing credits to keep that sense of, of suspense, you know, uh, discomfort and unease. Uh, but then, you know, you come in with like big heavy metal, all these guitars and blah, blah, blah. And stuff like it's like, wait a minute, that's taking me away from what you established from the very first frame of the movie. And kept you know that that theme or that musical uh, motif throughout the movie that kept me riveted but then all of a sudden you change up and that that kind of you know doesn't work too well for me but uh, i would like them to be more consistent yeah there was a big movement i think in the late 90s through the 2000s where every song uh, every movie over its end credits would play like a new metal song yeah you yeah. know like new metal that whole like that weird mix of like uh uh rap and rock and stuff and it was uh it was definitely a, a an interesting time. Uh, yeah. I don't think um, I don't think I liked most of those songs. I was going to ask a question. I know it's it's not question time, but I just had a question. I just thought about it. No, um, go right ahead. What do you guys think about um, movies that play the same song? So like over and over, like it's just the same song. Mm. Like it could be. Um, I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie. This is a movie called Faceless. I think came out in the eighties, and there's this theme song. This guy is singing. I mean, he's really putting his heart in, into, into <laughs> singing. And so there's that. And then I know um, another 80s uh, movie, because even with, when Tracy mentioned the 80s, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> there's a movie called Ghost yeah. House that keeps on using the same song. And it recycled a song cool. from a different, from the, like the director is, he. I forgot what he directed. I'm going to have to Google it. But he, was it Trolls or 
I think it's Troll. Like he he directed mm -hmm. Trolls the sequel or something, and basically it's the same song that's in it. Mm. So I'm just curious. Mm. I could be wrong. No, no, no. Curious. You made a point. You made a really good point because here are two movies, two classic movies that were successful with that and not successful with it. Uh, the first one I thought that had that continuing motif and I felt was successful was in the movie The Haunted Palace, the old Vincent Price movie. Okay. And they kept playing that one theme over and over. It's very effective, very, very mm -hmm. orchestral. And it's, uh, and it adds to the story. They keep playing it over and over, but it mm -hmm. was still pretty effective. But there was another movie from uh, AIP that just wore it out. And that was uh, The Premature Burial. Mm. with the whistling and the yeah and it was like yeah it was good the first you know three times but when you start getting into you know time number 50 or whatever it becomes monotonous so those are examples where what you just described Zena, you know was played um very effectively and ineffectively and yeah. uh, the okay. premature burial is one of those movies that that like every time i watch it i'm like this should be so much better than it is. Um, maybe it would have been yeah. better if they had just had Vincent Price instead of yeah. Ray Milland, you know, but yeah, but yeah, there are a lot of problems with that one. But yeah. uh, this yeah. makes me think there was um, in an American Werewolf in London, they keep playing different versions of the song Blue Moon, and I think that mm -hmm. works because it's thematic, yeah, um, yeah. thematic to the story. Um, but I can't imagine, I can't think of any other movies that, that do it successfully, yeah. I'm going to pass on this round because what there, there's uh two, there are two movies on my list that actually do this that I think do it to good effect. So if I I don't want to talk about them now cuz I'm going to talk about them later. Great, great. So let's jump into that. Uh next question. Uh what are your top 5 horror movie themes and why? So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it as a round table. We're going to start off with our um the one on the lowest of our list our number fives and then we'll work our way up okay so who would like to start with this you know i think it's gonna have yeah. to take a is this mic working yeah you're gonna, <laughs> have to pick on us. you're gonna have to treat it like a classroom and yeah, say you and you. Polite. <laughs> okay. okay let's do ladies first let's do ladies first uh let's say Zena, would you like to kick this off I don't, but okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't know why I feel so nervous. And then you said to put it in order. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, we're going to start with our number fives first, and then we're going to work up to our number ones. Okay. Um. Oh man, I didn't even put it in order. I just, okay. Okay. I, well, thanks fine. a lot for joining us, Zena. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has okay. been the Midnight Supper Shuttles broadcast. No, go ready. <laughs> she has not done her homework. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, go um, right ahead. Okay, I'll start with the the modern one, the most modern one on my list, and mm -hmm. um, that's Smile. So the movie came out mm -hmm. um, 2022, and let me first just say. I did not watch the trailer before I went to go see the movie in theaters because mm -hmm. I usually skip out on trailers just because I'd rather just watch it, right? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I'm telling you, it's incredible because some trailers, they do give away too much. Right. right yeah. exactly. So I, you know, I really, really enjoyed it because a lot of the things like I remember I went with my husband and two other friends and, you know, they were like, oh, that was in the trailer. And they weren't surprised. But I was I was having a good time. Anyway, <laughs> Smart move. Smart move. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was only, again, three other people in the theaters when we went to go, when I went to go see this. And I feel like mm. this is one of the soundtracks that gave me anxiety, you know, and mm. I, I don't feel like that happens too often to me. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like the movie all around, I really, really enjoyed it. Trigger warning, if you haven't seen it, there's a lot of dark stuff that's in it. Yeah. Um, like the soundtrack for me just put like the cherry on top. Um, I really love the sound editing. It's great. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend just watching it alone in the dark. And if you have seen it, just watch it again because it's it's good and I enjoyed it. But um, even thinking about it, thinking about the soundtrack, it gives me chills because even the ending credits, they use something with the drums and it just sounds like someone is, you know, whispering some type of spell. Like, I don't know. Mm. It's just like, I just really, again, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, if they would have threw in a Black Sabbath track at the end of the movie, you've been very disappointed. <laughs> it would take you away from the whole experience. But yeah, uh, that was a very incredible movie. Um, we saw that. Uh, it was a it was a nighttime um, showing when we saw it at uh, AMC, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, who would like to be next? Oh, you said ladies first. There we go. Um, um, so I'm process of, process of elimination, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Rosemary's baby, Christoph Kumeda is the composer. Yes. yes, and um, I don't know if you're a mom, Zena, um, or if you have children, Nicholas. Um, I, I saw it as a child and I, I was jacked up by it. Um, but then I saw it again as a mom and as an older woman. And the music for me really underscores the paranoia mm -hmm. of not really knowing the first time you're pregnant, what your body is doing, what it should go through. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a lot about women trying to say that something's wrong and having nobody listen. Nobody yeah. believe her. And so I think the music just really underscores with that, like, the, you know, yeah. it, it, it's madness. It's, um, am I going crazy? It's, um, yeah. you know, if I tell who believe me, she's <laughs> so isolated. And I think isolation in horror really gets me because I don't ever want to be alone in my horror. Right? So mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. want people with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we jump into the hellscape and can't get back, I don't want to be by myself. So <laughs> I, I think that the music there really um, did a lot to take me into her, her space of madness and isolation and just not being sure of what's going on. And then in the mm -hmm. end, when she goes into, uh, have, have we all seen it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So I'm not spoiling oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the end, when she sees what she sees and, and it's revealed what has happened to her, the music does a lot to underscore the horror there. Yeah, almost like she's going ahead and accepted her she position. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, yeah, the music very much underscores, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Great choice. Great choice. Nicholas. Rosemary's Baby is one of my favorite movies, so I'm, I'm very happy that you chose it. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember seeing it as a young man, maybe in my 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and what got me even more than the doctors not listening to her was her, the way her husband treats her. Uh, uh, not mm. listening and just sort of manipulating and stuff like that. And I remember thinking as this young man, that's not the kind of husband I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I guess I took it very seriously. Um, <laughs> so my, my top five list is probably not filled with very many surprises, I think. But I think this number five um, slot is probably the, maybe the biggest or most unusual mm -hmm. choice uh, of my own list. Um, and that is The Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh, the Ooh. music is by Brad Fidel Ooh. in 1988. Um, it's mysterious and rhythmic. It brings to mind sort of the, that, that Haitian voodoo that's at the heart of the story. Mm -hmm. But there's also uh, sort of a mournful quality to it at times that I think is intended to echo sort of the strife and tragedy that Haiti itself was going through in the shadow of, of Duvalier. Uh, and what's interesting mm -hmm. to me is that just three years later, Brad Fidel did the very iconic score to Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Mm -hmm. And both Terminator 2 and The Serpent and the Rainbow, they're both very percussion heavy um, and just and rhythmic. And and uh, I, I I happen to be a big Brad Fidel fan, actually. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, very, so uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow, um, the soundtrack, I had it on vinyl uh, and mm -hmm. I, I recorded it to uh a blank tape and i listened to it on my walkman like it's not it's not very this, like this this thing we call the cassette i think yeah <laughs> but the funny thing is it's not like there's songs and it's not like it's even like danceable music or anything but for some reason yeah. i was just just listening to it all the time and i have another one on my list that i did the same thing with that we'll talk about later all right okay great 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 choice um i would say my number five would be Candyman by philip glass yeah. uh i had the honor of meeting philip glass when i went to the university of kansas he was doing a play called 1000 airplanes on the roof and um and i noticed uh this quality of his music because i'm familiar with kwana scotsi and his very much his fragmented sense of repetition in his music and what i think was very poignant about Candyman was that because Candyman is based on an urban legend and also the childlike quality of urban legends that his soundtrack captured that, that mm -hmm. childlike lullaby quality of the story that just made it just unnerving. And um, that's from the first track, but also if you listen to other tracks, he still has that characteristic Philip Glass, repetitious, fragmented, uh, chaotic, almost a controlled chaos to his music. Um, I know Philip Glass also went on to do the uh, soundtrack to the original Dracula. When they re-released Dracula with a modern soundtrack, uh, he was commissioned to do the uh, the music for that. And I've always been a Philip Glass fan, but one of my favorites of his all, for all time has to be Candyman. You no, know, that's that's one of those movies that like every element just came together really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving. And still effective to this day. So let's move up to number four. Number fours. Who would like to take this? I'll go. You can go out of order. I, okay, go. I fixed my list. You will be <laughs> <laughs> doing the homework while in class. I hear you. 
<laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> you learn fast. <laughs> but it's done. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> um. So, okay, I'm going to go with the supernatural horror, The Fog, 1980. Yes. Yeah. yes. I love the soundtrack so much. I know that Nicholas, he mentioned um, just different kind of music that he likes to write to. This mm -hmm. is perfect music to, to write to, to walk to, you know, to work out to as well for some reason. It, it could just do it all, you know? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I really love like the end credits and um, Andy on the beach when Andy's on the beach. You know, oh that yeah, that yeah, that one was really good when they're telling the story with John Houseman. It's incredible oh, and yeah, um, yeah. Evie's lighthouse when you know yeah, I, yes. I love that scene. I love it up there. So yeah, so going with that one. Yeah, it's working through that crescendo where the the ghosts are coming up and grab oh. oh yeah 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 and and that final shot where you know he. Cuts his head it's over the head incredible. and it goes straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's John Carpenter, movie. yeah, John Carpenter is very effective on his uh his stuff. I one of the um soundtracks that really woke me up to him was his soundtrack to um a, Assault on Precinct 13, mm. which wasn't really a horror film, but it was horror, you know, horrible in his own way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put yourself in a situation like that, and you got a horror movie right there. But yeah, he's, uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, very, uh, very numerous on this list if we had a bigger list. He'd show up quite a few times. So, who would like to be next? Number four. Nicholas, you want to take it? Nicholas. All right. Um, my number four is Phantasm by Fred Myro and Malcolm Seagrave in 1979. So, you know, the movie mm -hmm. itself is very okay. like weird and dreamy, right? Yeah, and so is yeah. the soundtrack. It has this repeating, almost fairy tale notes on a keyboard. And then there's this mm -hmm. chorus of voices that comes in sometimes too, that lends it sort of an epic feel, but yeah. they're clearly not real voices. They're clearly from a synthesizer. And I think whether that is intended or not, it really adds to the spookiness and the dreaminess of, mm -hmm. of the soundscape that these people mm -hmm. created for this movie. I can't mm -hmm. imagine this movie with any other kind of music than what they made. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like it's a, a fever dream. Film. Yeah, like a fever dream type of movie. Where, or a uh, never ending it, nightmare. Yeah, never ending nightmare. And, and mm -hmm. to me, it's almost like one of those movies where I've seen this a thousand times, but I could never tell you what happened from beginning to end because it's it's like a dream. You, it's you so dreamy, it, yeah. But then you wake up from it, you forget what happened in it. And you're like, okay, yeah, uh, I, I could never tell anyone from beginning to end what happens in the movie Phantasm. And the and movie, it's like music matches that. It's so it's low budget. The acting isn't always great, though, though we all love Angus Scrim. Um, yes. but the music, is what, <laughs> you know, the music is what gets under your skin. Well, every time yeah. you watch that movie, it's the music mm -hmm. that really gets under your skin and starts to make you tense. And this yeah. is the, yeah. this is the other one that I had on vinyl and, yeah, went, and yeah. recorded to a, to a cassette tape and listened to <laughs> on my Walkman to and yeah. from school. That's so yeah. cool. Did you, that did, you, did, cool. you, did you play it on the vinyl until the vinyl was smooth? You know, it's like you play no, it you know, times, there's no more any, no more grooves in the album anymore. What, what happened so was I would I would record it to, you know, I'd get like a Maxell blank tape yeah. and record that. And then I would just listen to it on the tape all the time rather yeah. than the vinyl. I don't know why. I was a weird kid. I don't know why. Was, <laughs> don't but. feel bad because you know what? I used to go to sleep to Brad Fidel's The Terminator sound. 
set. I, I used to play that. Oh, yeah. That's a nightmare. So, yeah, yeah. That's not... Uh, but that's oh, not relaxing music. See, I, I, I'm, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, but I'm glad I could share this with y'all. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called, it's turning into the a guys therapy in session. the white suits mm -hmm. to come pick me up. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. But, but one thing um, I like, a little thing I like to add about that Phantasm, um, rapper um, Dougie Fresh uh, used the sample yeah, of that to do. Yeah, really. Uh, play this only at night. Yeah, you've never heard mm -hmm. of it. No, I hadn't heard. I'm going to check oh, that yeah. out. Oh, yeah. I'll send you, I'll you the track. And it's one of my favorites really of his. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. What a great sample. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. And a great movie. And we can't forget Reg. Reg is awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ice cream, man. I, I talked a little I'm sitting bit here to midnight. That was an original song that they came we're, up with. And it's yeah, so good. Yeah, 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 it's so good. He's he's made a hit out of that. You know, we're hot as love, you know. All right. So who would like to come in next? The other number me. four. <laughs> the other you. The other me. Right. Um, I talked a little bit about Jerry Goldsmith and uh, Alien is my next one. Um, I feel like the existential dread yeah. of space, the coldness of space. And then just, so I it, sometimes there's like absence of sound, mm -hmm. um, which was super effective because in space, no one can hear you scream, right? Yeah. So, uh, I just, I've seen Alien like a thousand times. Mm -hmm. um, I love the Alien franchise a whole lot. And mm -hmm. each one of them is just so different from mm -hmm. the one before it. It, it really yeah. reflects the difference in the direction, the difference in the cinematography, the difference in the music, and the difference in the mood. And mm -hmm. I think that number one, just, um, does it for me as a wonderful intro to a franchise that, um, I mean, I was with them all the way up until her resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I know Hang it was in there. easy, but Hang I was there for dreaming. Yeah. Well, it was a crazy droning type of uh, sense to the soundtrack of the original Alien. You know, uh -huh. uh, almost like uh, if you're sitting there with a headache and you got that droning feeling or sound that's deep inside your 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 consciousness and i think that music kind of epitomizes that style and the sound editing is great yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's a perfect movie i think alien is an absolutely oh, perfect yeah. movie and even oh. if there had never been any sequels it just stands alone as a perfect movie absolutely absolutely um number four Zena. number three. Oh, did everybody go from because i didn't oh, mind yeah. number four did i the other me oh, didn't go. What's your number four? My number four. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, my number four has to be has to be the soundtrack to Creep Show by okay. John Harrison. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I, I I love that juxtapositioning of the music and the comic book images of the movie. Uh, it has almost a carnivalesque type of feel to it, and I love the piano. When I mentioned earlier about the use of the piano, a very vivid, very uh, rich piano concerto type of uh, quality to this. And um, it is definitely one of my favorites. It's one of the first things that captured my attention when Creepshow first came out, even before the movie started. And we were bedazzled by those 
you know, incredible opening sequences for the movie. That music that coming in with the undertone of the piano and then it starts to crescendo and everything. And oh, I love it. And they also use it with equal effect at the end of the movie, which I really love. They kind of gave it a, a more of an extended version at the end. But throughout the entire soundtrack, uh, not a note out of place, not a note out of place and matches as well with the themes of each of the stories in the anthology, it, what, which I think was not effective in the second creep show. Um, I was disappointed when the second creep show came out and they did not even use the theme to it. I'm like, wait a minute. It's, it's like, you know, not having the Star Wars theme for every Star Wars movie. It's that thing, that iconic type of thing that should accompany it. Even with the uh, the Shutter series that's out now, I was like, well, I was hoping they would come back with the theme because this is almost as iconic as the Superman theme to me in regards to Creepshow. But yeah, that's my number four favorite. Okay, so let's move up. Oh, wait. Hmm? Question. I'm sorry with the, with my questions. Um, I was just curious. Do you have a favorite segment? My favorite segment. Ah, uh, you know, I, I would say about the you know the roaches that are creeping up on you, exactly. but I, I would have to say the crate. Yeah. Because you know it's it got some of my favorite actors in there. You know, Fritz Weaver and Hal Holbrook and and of course uh, Adrian Barbeau. Who would have known she had it in her? You know, I mean, she played. I mean, she was she was great in the fog, but for her to play against character so well in that in that episode, I really love that one. I have to say, that's my favorite one. Of that's course, with yeah, yeah, of course, I think it's the most fully formed of all the stories as well. Yes, yeah. it's the yeah. longest. It's got the most characterization. Um, yeah, and, and, and yeah. I, I think that in the new series, the new Shutter series, there is an episode that is kind of connected. To that, it kind of gives you an idea where the crate was uh, was recovered from. Uh, it kind of gives you a bit of a tie-in story about the mystery behind the crate itself. Hmm. So, yeah, check it out. Check it out. Let's move on up to number three. Uh, number three, I have Taurus Trap from 1979. Hmm. It is uh, such a... I keep on saying magical movie. Maybe that's not the the idea of it, but I remember when I first mm -hmm. saw it, it creeped me out. I love the characters. I love the storyline. I love like the set design, and it's mm -hmm. just like a perfect soundtrack. Especially Elaine's death. Um, that's the name of the song. You know, with mm. the mannequins, and you can kind of hear like the mannequins in the background making those la 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 sounds. So, um, that's uh, yeah, that's one I'm, I'm not familiar with. Tourist trap. It's a good oh, time. Man. I saw. It. Caught it on television in high school, and I just like it got under my skin. Oh, oh. what Thank year was this? 70 late 70s, I think. 79. So it's got Chuck Connors, and uh, oh wow, is Tanya Roberts in that? I think so. One of the, the later Charlie Angels, yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Super creepy, it's very low budget. And and really yeah. well. Who would like to be next for number three? I'll go because I'm gonna move over from the big screen to the small screen. Okay. And I'm going to talk about Salem's Lot. Oh, Harry yeah. Sukerman. Oh, yes. the beginning when they get you hyped with the. <laughs> 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 and I. I saw it for the first time um, when I was in the Midwest. I was visiting my father's family 
and we were staying at a super religious house mm. and they didn't want us to watch it. And we <laughs> snuck and we watched it. And I just remember the music being so dramatic and terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, darn it. <laughs> and that vampire keeps on giving. Like, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. is the modern Nosferatu. That makeup was originator of it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's mm. still scary. We watch it with our youngest. We, we've got four kids, and the oldest is 30. And mm. we watch it with the youngest, who's 17, still uh, like it's yeah. a banger. Yeah, I I, I I blame yeah. David Soul to this very day that I cannot memorize the twenty third Psalms. You can't blame him. He just I, 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 I can't memorize the third two because he never gets through it. You know, I, I'm stuck there. Yeah, Bill, <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> but here's here's one thing I I'm not sure of it, but the opening theme song to, or I should say, the opening music to Salem's Lot is very similar. If you guys can recall the skeleton sword fighting scene from the seven voids of sinbad very similar so i wonder if he was influenced by bernard herman's piece during that part where sinbad is fighting the uh the skeleton because it's It's also jason and the argonauts yeah um i think that they either it's derivative or like they straight use it's the same yeah go back and check it out and, and check out the similarities nice 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 Talk, um, talking about uh, Jason and the Argonauts and Sinbad, you're talking about language. Oh, oh yeah, the movies I grew up with. Ray oh, Harryhausen yeah. all the way. Oh yeah. The, the the scene with the Cyclops will always stop oh, yeah. my heart. As a matter of fact, I have the Cyclops sitting on my shelf up there right now. And then you the got the Cyclops. toy room upstairs. That's yeah, it, closest door and just close the, the man cave. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. We're we're all we're all geeks at heart. <laughs> There we go, the Geek Squad. Um, so my number three, it might, it might be surprising that it's not number one on my list, but it's it's a classic, uh, and that's Halloween by John Carpenter from 1978. Mm. The cla- uh, yeah, it's a classic. Uh, yeah. like, so, sort of like the phantasm theme, it uses these repetitive notes on a piano mm-hmm. to sort of keep you tense and uh, on the edge of your seat. And then mm-hmm. there's a there's this like beating percussion behind it, this be- incessant beat. That is mm. almost like a panicking heartbeat. Mm. It's just—it's such, you know, it's such a simple tune, uh, yeah. but I think that's where its power comes from, because the film itself is also very simple in its story, and yet it's so powerful in its like relentlessness and sense of mystery, and I think mm. all that good stuff is sort of echoed in the theme. Um, yeah, the, and I think it really helps that John Carpenter John Carpenter scores his own movies because I'm sure yeah. he knows exactly yeah. what he wants. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And to if this were a top 10, he'd be on he'd be on a lot more. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. To demonstrate the power of the theme for Halloween, it was the power behind the movie success because um when John the story has it that when John Carpenter was screening that for his producers, they and this was without the music. They were looking at the scenes and they're like, Man, this <laughs> this is trash, you know, this this, this is a failure. Yeah, they're and, like, we've seen this already. We've seen, yeah, we've seen uh, this million and times. John, yeah, and it's like, and you can imagine if you watch the movie without any music in the background, how effective it could have been. You know, it's <laughs> like almost zero. So I think the story is that John Carpenter just kind of panicked. It's like, I, I got to come up with something. <laughs> and he, and he kind of cranked out the theme. And uh, yeah, and that desperation created an absolute classic. 
There yeah. you go. There it's you go. Time character, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like, just like uh, Tracy mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyone else for their number three? I think it's. I think you're up, Darren. You, me? Darren. Me? Okay. Well, my number three is not a surprise because it was already repeated. My number three is Phantasm as well. Uh, the soundtrack nice. of Phantasm. Everything that we talked about that still stands. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those things. Uh, one of those pieces that stays in your psyche. It mm -hmm. gets and it get ingrained into your fibers, and uh, just the first few bars of it just sends images of that nightmare mm -hmm. genre, you know, fever dream genre, as I say. So uh, I have to uh, match that with uh, with Nicholas's choice for one of his top five. Okay, so number two. Number two, I have Fright Night, nineteen eighty-five, the original one. Uh, mm. Song that's smexy saxophone music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jerry is very hot. You know how sometimes you'll you'll watch a movie and it's supposed to be like ladies are appealed to this guy. They're like, oh, who's that? And it's just like, I'm like, what? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, and then that music, I would have probably been a victim, you know, but um <laughs> I, just, I just really love this movie. I've just loved watching it as a kid and still just enjoy watching it. And the soundtrack to me is just perfection. And the yeah. poster is everything. Oh yeah. The poster was very, it is everything. Real. That's yeah. one of my favorite so horror movies of all time. And, and to confess, it was my favorite vampire movie up to that time until shortly after the lost boys came out. Nice. And I was kind of battling, yeah. I was battling myself like, uh, oh, fight night so much. What is you know, Lost Boys, but, but I, I love them equally, they they stand on their own and um, tell a great story. Well, and know, Lost, Lost Boys also has a saxophone, yes. Yeah, the good body, a sweet body, and a fire. I love Right out there. <laughs> I love uh, but, vampire but Fright movie. Night had Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In everything he He's was great. ever yeah. in. He was great. He was great. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go next if I can and hit John Carpenter again with a thing. However, mm. this is one of the movies he didn't score, and Neil Marconi scored the thing yeah. and i think i think the legend goes that john was he he couldn't score it because there was literally so much going on he was overworked and so ennio did it but copied his style yeah yeah so you get that heartbeat that nicholas was talking about the doom mm -hmm. doom and again, um, I said that the thing that gets me a lot is existential dread. Um, you mm. know, it's gonna be bad. You know, yeah. it's bleak. Yeah. You just don't know how bad it's mm. gonna get. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I think they just really win points with me for, you know, in the beginning, you kind of don't know what's going on, right? The Norwegians are coming in and they're chasing the dog and what's the deal? And then it's quiet mm -hmm. for a little bit and the dog's roaming and he's doing what he's doing. And you get the sense that something's just not mm -hmm. quite right. And I think that the the music yeah. really serves to underscore, like, it, it's just not quite right. You're out there with all these guys together um, doing time at the edge of the world. Yeah. 
and, and yeah. then the thing just bumps it yeah. up to the next level. And it, it captures that that feeling of desolation that all mm-hmm. the characters were experiencing, being at the bottom of the earth, you know, Antarctica, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles from civilization and everything. And that that music actually captures it. Uh, one little story I like to say about that: we were doing uh, like a Halloween film festival in our college dorm one time at uh, KU, and uh, I was showing the thing. And, you know, we had a group of friends that was always talking during the movies and, you know, you couldn't concentrate on the movies and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes uh, they, they just weren't paying attention. But something funny happened at the end of the movie when it started to roll into the credits, when they start sharing the bottle of booze among each other. They start off that Ennio Marconi theme, that heartbeat. And it lasts throughout the entire closing credits. And those okay. very same people that were chatting and moving and stuff throughout the old movie were like, quiet. This. They were spellbound and they could not explain why. They didn't even know they were in a trance. And I'm sitting back watching. I was like, look at the effect that this music is having on mm-hmm. these people. And they rolled through the entire credits. And I was just waiting for them to be like, hey, man, come on. We're going to watch the entire you know, closing credits of this film or what? I just let it play. And they said nothing. They were absolutely spellbound. So yeah. it shows how effective that that theme was. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great choice. It's so yeah. spooky and so uh, just. It's, it's. I use this phrase a lot tonight, but it just gets under your skin. You know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and the remember. loneliness. You can really kind of feel the loneliness. I mean, I, I'm always looking at characters from a psychological standpoint as well. And when you really look at each character, you realize these guys are not. They're not happy guys. They're not mm-hmm. a lot of McCready. Not even likable like, guys. Not even likable. No, they're not likable. McCready, like he he given the time, like you know he's a Vietnam vet. Like you can just yeah. his 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 um jacket, j- just like the whole all of them are misfits. Yeah, yeah. Misfits, they're all broken. And, and and they're broken guys. And I feel <laughs> like the music just sets us up for that. Yeah, it captures all that. And he destroys the chess machine because he's at the very beginning because he's like, oh, I, I I'm not winning, and now nobody gets to use it. Right? Not, not, not yes. that you could have done much with that computer before the the, the internet, anyway. I mean, no, right? <laughs> what else could you do? Right? <laughs> it's computer yeah. useless. I remember when I first saw that movie, I was not ready for the scene with the dog in the kennel. Oh, I was like, God. I was like, okay, no this movie's won. interesting. All right, let's see where it goes. And then it was just like, bam, and I was like, not ready for yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm uh, still not ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting. When they did the made-for-TV version of it, they edited quite a bit. They added a voiceover narrative that hmm. was describing each of the characters, and um, they even uh, at the end when you um, they added an ending where you find out that the dog survived. This was not in the theatrical the release. Hell? The dog survives and he's running out into the distance again. Oh, what? The and hell? so, yeah, you got to check it out. This is the, the made for TV version. Wow. Has the narrative. And it's the one of the parts of the movie that pays homage to the original. Remember the uh, ending of the original where the guy's giving the warning watch the skies, keep watching the skies. They added that in the voiceover narrative at the end of this version of the thing where the, yeah, the narrator is like, we don't uh, need the dog just, to live. Yeah. Just keep watching the skies. Cause you never know what's going to happen. I'm like, wow. that's awful. Yeah. So if you can, I think it's on YouTube, but, but catch the, the made for TV edited version of the thing. And you'll see, uh, it even describes like, uh, um, 
the guy that gets his chest caved in and everything even yeah. talks about their medical conditions and everything he had a heart condition and blah 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 i'm like what oh they, they did the? not have this in, yeah completely different experience watching on the, the made for tv version so yeah Sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. It was kind of interesting at the same time, but uh, yeah, check it out. Um, you know, so my number two, yeah, uh, my number two on my list uh, is not probably not going to come as a surprise to anybody, but it's Suspiria by Goblin, uh, nineteen seventy-seven. Mm. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, rumor has it that this tune is actually based on the hymn "Jesus Loves Me, This I Know" because it sort of follows that same. I don't know if that's really? true or not, but it's really wow. interesting. Yeah. So it's the music is like it's presented at first, you know, it, as you move into the the the, the theme, it's presented right. at first almost as a light fairy tale esque tune, just mm -hmm. sort of like I don't know if it's a keyboard or they're plucking strings. I'm not sure. And then the percussion and the other instruments come in, and it becomes just this sort of like beautiful oral assault. Right, mm -hmm. and there's this voice that sometimes comes in and says, "Which?" <laughs> wow! It's it's you know I'm making it sound goofy, but it's really spooky as no, hell. Yes, yeah, and, we're taking it very seriously here. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, once you hear that theme, it's impossible to get it out of your head. Wow. I was years ago. I was I was I have you know I'm, I live in New York City, so I, this was a long time ago when I was was a, a more active younger person. Uh, and I was, it was like late at night, I'm walking through this second Avenue subway stop. No one else is there. It's just me. I'm alone. I'm heading for the exit. And the Suspiria music starts playing in my head. And I'm like, why am oh, I doing this to doing, myself? You're doing oh, yourself doing in, doing man. You're myself? doing yourself in. That's not good, man. <laughs> yeah. No bueno. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's iconic. And it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's great. It's just, it's one of yeah. my favorites. I, I have it on CD uh, and I occasionally listen to it. There's a whole, I mean, it's not just the classic uh, theme that we know this, there's, there's more mm -hmm. uh, um, songs or tunes in it, but yeah. it's just, it's fantastic. I'm gonna go back and listen for the witch. Yeah, witch. Yeah. Witch. Uh, witch. And uh, as with John Carpenter, if this were like top 10 or top 15 or something, there'd be a lot more Goblin yeah. on here too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, I think I'll come in. Um, my number two, old classic, King Kong by Max Steiner. Uh, the opening note after they remember when they used to have the the studio identification for RKO was the little uh, the radio tower, the doo -doo 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 and then it comes out with that first <laughs> on the discordant sound, that first note, of King Kong, fabulous. I have. It's one of the movies that I have to confess that I have reoccurring nightmares to this very day. And the music really? was very, yeah, the music was very instrumental to that. Uh, excuse the pun. But um, the thing uh, we noticed, uh, the big criticism that they had about King Kong was that Max Steiner started what was called a technique called Mickey Mousing. And that was the biggest critique they had against the movie Mickey Mousing because in the Mickey Mouse cartoons, the music used to accentuate the movement. You know, mm -hmm. you're walking you're like blink, 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 blink. So he was adding that to the movies, uh, especially the part where um, the whole alter sequence where King Kong is about to make his first appearance. You hear Kong's footsteps through the orchestration instead of his actual footsteps. So where you hear is a boom, boom, boom. 
But that was the most one of the most effective uses of music in a movie. But that was his biggest criticism at the time for this technique called Mickey Mousing. Um, another thing that I felt was very poignant about King Kong was that the first half of the movie, uh, where they're in New York and everything, there is no music background, no music soundtrack at all. It's completely silent. But the moment they appear as Skull Island is when you hear that boom, that droning sound. That it's almost like crossing into the realm of fantasy, a realm of mysticism, and just the the leap motif that they use for Kong. There's a leap motif, a, a piece of music that always identifies Kong, just like the. Uh, the sound for Jaws, where they play the, the leap motif that lets you know that the shark is in the area. There's a uh, leap motif that they used in King Kong. And uh, I it's one of the soundtracks that I cherish. This right here, really good. Not only does it have all the tracks with the different uh, pieces of music throughout the movement, but one track has the entire audio soundtrack of the entire movie on the disc. So it's like watching the movie without the images, and uh, it, it it ranks up there with one of my favorite, and it's it, it's still haunting to me this very day. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank yeah. you. So that was it for everybody's number two. Yeah, yeah. I've lost I've lost track because I got a little bit of mead in this thing here, so <laughs> have to excuse me. He's sinning. <laughs> well, sinning. Okay, so now we start the drum roll. One's number one pick for favorite. Horror movie music theme. Who would like to reveal? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this this was so hard. Uh, but you know, I really love this movie. So Zombie 2, aka Zombie Flesh Eaters. It is a beautiful mm-hmm. soundtrack. I love it so much. I I feel like everything works in this movie. It's in the mm-hmm. 70s. There's zombies. There is a zombie going up against a shark. You know the zombie. Oh, what? <laughs> where can you, where can you go wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> that combination. There you go. But yeah, it's a. I just feel like this this soundtrack is truly iconic. Mm, mm. Are you familiar with, with who uh, who composed the soundtrack? Uh, Fabio Fritz Fritz Fritzy. Yeah, Close enough. You know, I wonder how they're going to put that in the closed captions. <laughs> you know, that movie ends with that wonderful scene of the zombies going across the Brooklyn Bridge, and that, and yes. that Fabio Fritzy music really, really comes in. Uh, Tracy, Tracy, I gotta put this on our list too. There's a great eyeball scene, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you got, if you got an issue with really? seeing eyeball violence, I maybe know yeah. to see this one. <laughs> I do. I watch it. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, I'll be second on this one. Um, my favorite one of all time. And this was tough because I have some honorable mentions I want to talk about as well. But oh, this one, I was hoping you would do honorable. Yeah, mentions. I would do some honorable mentions. But this one takes the cake. My favorite of all time is Jerry Goldsmith's The Omen. Yeah. yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, I think it is by far the scariest horror movie music so ever. Because basically, what he did was he created a demonic version of a Gregorian chant, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the the title, the opening track, Ave Satani, 
you know, hail. Oh, we don't say it where it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's been parodied so many times and everything and mocked, you know, especially when it comes to any type of trope about some bad kid or evil kid, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just horrifying, horrifying. Uh there's one track uh, outside of the original, excuse me, outside the initial track, one called I believe it's called the dog chase with mm-hmm. Gregory Peck and David Warner being chased by that gang of Rottweilers mm-hmm. and the, how the, the music starts off. And, you know, you're seeing the dog starting to peer through the fence of the cemetery. And then it starts a little bit. And then it starts to crescendo and the music is actually running with the characters as they're being pursued by these dogs and, Oh, it's it's horrifying, and it's it's one of those soundtracks that I would not like to play by myself in the yeah. dark area. No, 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 no. You know, have the crucifix on me, everything, holy water, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. But that's that's my my favorite of all time. Tracy, do you want to go next? Uh yeah. Um, obscure seventies horror, or maybe it's not as obscure as I think it is. Mm-hmm. Burnt offerings. <laughs> uh Robert Cobert composer. Oh, and great. so we talked about that theme uh that Zena brought up when like you have that thing that is just the light motif over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um Dan Curtis has a thing about the music box. And he yes. uses it yes. in really disturbing ways and it works. Mm-hmm. He has used yeah. it starting from Dark Shadows in 73 when I used to come home from school and sit after school with my friend from like first grade and we would watch Dark Shadows <laughs> and, and he would have that music box. Yeah. And then he had Trilogy of Terror and he used it again oh, and it was yeah. creepy then and Dracula mm. and Robert Colbert is the composer that like he keeps bringing that and i keep expecting it to not be creepy and it is never not creepy <laughs> oh yeah 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 they even used it in the uh, remake of a uh, series with ben cross they they yeah. use that same music box theme and everything too it was very effective yeah very music very scary really scary <laughs> <laughs> sorry my a- uh yeah my phone just am i on it yeah you're on i see it Okay, I can, cool, cool. Yeah, I can see it. Um, right. That's a very scary movie, too. It's just, uh, it's just so offering? weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's in your, yeah. New skin. Burgess mm-hmm. Meredith uh, just acting Always. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the whole thing and, 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 the, and yeah, the, yeah. the whole scene with the chauffeur with the casket. That's what scared me as a kid. Oh, that chauffeur. As a kid, I was petrified. Oh, petrified, petrified. And then uh, that old mm-hmm. climax in the attic too, in the attic room. Yeah. I was just like, mm-hmm. I was like, why can't I turn off the TV? Yeah, <laughs> amazing, scared. amazing performances by them. Karen Black, Oliver Reed. She's always Davis. turned up. I love oh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great choice. Great choice. So my number one uh, is probably not going to be a huge surprise to anyone who knows me or to anyone who knows horror. Uh, but it's Psycho by Bernard Herrmann, yes. 1960. Yeah. Yes. It's another classic. Um, I just, uh, I actually listened to all of these themes today in preparation. And what really struck me uh, about the Psycho theme is that the strings are so frantic. 
Mm -hmm. It's just, it's all about tension and this propulsive forward movement that yeah. doesn't, the theme just doesn't let up. Yeah. And someone once said that even the psycho theme has a split personality. And I think that's <laughs> kind of true yeah. uh, because yeah, it does yeah. break for a moment from that, those frantic strings to a softer, more romantic part in the middle. Yeah. And then it's back mm -hmm. to those yeah. strings again. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, you get this almost Jaws-like notes from the cello. I mean, it's just, it all just comes together so well. It's its another one of those examples where I cannot imagine the movie with any other kind of music. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a classic yeah. for a reason. So I had to put it at yeah. number one. Yeah. How did you feel when they cribbed that for the reanimator? <laughs> I just thought it was, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice homage, right? Yeah. I wasn't like, oh my yeah. God, Bernard Herman is spinning in his grave. Instead, I was like, oh, I recognize this music. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's from Psycho and that's yeah. fine with me. Instantly recognizable. Absolutely. Right. Oh, can we do honorable mentions now? Yeah. Yes. So let's do our honorable mentions. So let's three. kick off those. those <laughs> you got three honorable mentions. Okay. We'll start off with Tracy's honorable mentions. The Sentinel by Jill yes! Miller. Oh, yes. 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 It is so like off the chain. Yes. And, like... <laughs> Completely off the chain. It's, it's just off the chain. Yes, but mm -hmm. Mortimer likes it. First of all, yeah, right. First of all, Burgess Meredith completely sells the creep factor. Oh he's um, amazing. Yes, yes. We live in Brooklyn. We lived in Brooklyn too. Now we're mm -hmm. in Florida. So you, know, you got to come through because you're uh, Tampa, right? No, not anymore. I'm so I always tell people Tampa, but technically I'm. Yeah, you're from New York, right? I'm from New York. Yeah. Where? Yeah, that building's right right here in Brooklyn. Where? Yonkers. Usually people. Okay. Don't... I know Yonkers. Yeah. Well, excuse it. Yeah. hard time. It's a New York yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's a New York crew. Store. Come visit Nicholas, please. Um, Thank we've you. got an esoteric store. And um, you know, it's just a community hub, so definitely there's room. Come through, Zena. But yeah. I wanted to say that the Sentinel House is right in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights. Heights. As a matter of fact, so I took we, a picture with it yeah. in my uh, my Instagram for Midnight Shopper Shadows. So check it out. Yeah, yeah, I the, love it. The music is off the chain. It's super dramatic. Mm -hmm. You can hear the minor notes just really kind of taking you out of things. Um, I love it because if you look hard enough, you see a whole lot of people who became big stars like Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Uh, in there, there's quite a few like little people who like he, oh he and john gets he and john gets from the fly yep. Both john gets in it, in it. like oh, there's christopher a lot of walken they made their bones in this movie yeah so yeah, yeah. um that I whole movie is off the chain yeah. um <laughs> should i turn it over or is it just yeah three? uh just yeah we're just gonna whip through our honorable mentions real quick okay second one uh -huh. is near dark tangerine dream Nice. Mm, yeah. Cowboy vampire westerns. Yes. Yeah. I have yeah. that one on CD. <laughs> you gotta throw mm. them all in there. <laughs> yes. Nice, it, nice. It also was like a fever dream. Um, it, it just is out of time, out of mind. It's genre bending, it's amazing. And mm. then the last one is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, yes. Uh, it's beautiful but horrible at the same time. 
time. Yeah, um, the, the it, cellos at the beginning. Yes, of it. Yeah, it's, it, it's also one of those soundtracks that once I saw the movie, I ran out to the store and bought the soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. And Annie Lennox um song love song for a vampire yeah. is just amazing. haunting at the end. Haunting, Super yeah. Haunting. You just you feel for the vampire, but you know he's a horrible being. Uh he represents death, and the song is just wubba 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 wubba. Those are my three honorable mentions. All right. Nice, nice. Who else? Honorable mentions quickly. Honorable mentions. Um, I would I would go with uh, the Beyond, which I think is also Fabio Fritzi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, really haunting score, especially over that last image of the painting. Oh um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Nice, nice. Zena, what do you have? Honorable um, mentions. I was just counting. Okay, I'll just but I, I have a good amount. So this one really isn't a horror, but it's horror adjacent. The guest okay. love that movie oh, so much. Oh yeah. yeah. Action, um, especially Antonio Berlin, like the Berlin version. So there's that mm-hmm. one. I have to mention Blade. I was obsessed oh. with, with that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, my whole mm-hmm. life, my whole childhood. Yeah. Spellcaster, because the opening scene, this girl's on a castle and she's doing a music video. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. It's beautiful. I also mm-hmm. had to include Stuart Gordon's dolls from 1987 because it's okay, like, yeah. Magical, yeah. I did have Phantasm on the list as well because um, the movie's great, but then also like it just feels like death, even though that's mm. not the whole like soundtrack. Um, then something modern, Come True. This is a movie that came out. Uh, it's called Come True, twenty twenty. Um, mm. The director, he pretty much did almost everything by himself, and he rocked the whole movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, I also have Puppet Master. So, okay, I know that there's hit or misses, but there's just something about that theme song. Am I right? Mm. Yes, no, it's mm-hmm. good. It's good. Yeah. And then I also have A Nightmare on Elm Street um, for Dream Master. Yes. That's my favorite one. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack. Uh-huh. And then just one more um, Phenomena in AKA, what is it? Creepy Creepers? Creepers, yeah. That's yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I know Creepers. That one's a lot of fun. And I just, you know, it's just beautiful. That's what I have. Wow. Nice, nice. Great choice. Yes, Great choice. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna come up with mine real quick. I have to say, well, first of all, none of us mentioned even The Exorcist. Come on. The Exorcist. Like, yeah. <laughs> Mike Oldfield. Yes. yes. Just He's a scared. few bars of that. And you're like going to church, you know, and <laughs> taking communion wafers. Um, very effective. Uh, the entire album, no, no separate tracks, just all one track from beginning to end, mm. side A, side B all one track amazing work um uh bram stoker's dracula mentioned that i'll mention some that haven't been mentioned body snatchers yeah the, the yeah. invasion continues uh the opening music for that was very hypnotizing as the credits are rolling you've seen the letters and you're seeing how each letter is being replicated by a darker letter that fades it out to the music nice background uh the uh made for tv movie Legend of Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Yeah, well, Elizabeth Montgomery, that was a very scary soundtrack to it. Uh, I remember it to this day. If you get a chance, go on YouTube, listen to it. Very haunting. But my number one television theme song, the theme to Night Gallery. Oh, terrifying. The images are terrifying. It's one of the images, the music, the moment it came on TV, I am running out of the room. And uh, (laughs) yeah, very effective. So 
Uh, folks, we have come to the end of our episode. I'd like to thank all y'all for joining us, me this evening, sharing all the, your experiences. Uh, our topic was a horror movie music and our favorites and our top five. Um, can each of you tell us how our listeners can reach you uh, through your social media? You go ahead, Zena. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've just been on the hot seat all night. Zena. You're the queen. <laughs> Um, so you guys, I like how me. everybody just had a, like just blank look on my face. Like, <laughs> you gotta treat our classroom and call on us. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, yeah, go right here, Zena. Sorry about that. Okay, so you guys can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube and Facebook, just Real Queen of Horror, and then on Twitter slash X. But I'm, you know, I'm calling it Twitter. I don't care. Lovely Zena. There you go. All right, Nicholas. All right. You can reach me at nicholaskaufman.com. Kaufman has two ends at the end. If you go to nicholaskaufman.com with one end at the end, I don't know what you're going to find. I can't guarantee <laughs> anything. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn for some reason. Uh, so you can you can find me in all those places. <laughs> awesome. Tracy. Wow, you can find Southern Alchemy Wellness Store on Facebook, on Instagram at Southern Alchemy Wellness. Um, wait, Facebook is Southern Alchemy Wellness as well. Um, you can find our website is Southern Alchemy Wellness LLC.com. Um, and I think that's everything. Oh, podcast, The Alchemy of Wellness, yeah. where you can hear Darren again um, yeah. and myself talking about any and everything that has something to do with holistic wellness. And that's um, The Alchemy of Wellness on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple, and uh, I don't know, assorted other places. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And I'm Darren Person. You can follow me on the Midnight Shop of Shadows Instagram. Uh, and now our brand new uh, Midnight Shop of Shadows podcast. Uh, you can also follow me at Darren Person on Facebook. And uh, I think that wraps it up for this evening. Uh, this has been the Midnight Shop of Shadows podcast. I'd like to thank our esteemed guest, Zena, the Queen of Horror, Nicholas Kaufman, my wife, Tracy Person, and yours truly, Darren Person, your Midnight Shopkeeper. Uh, farewell, and remember, we're always open at midnight.